This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Kristen Daly. And I'm Melissa Miller. And today we are lucky to be joined by Rosie Molinari, who is an author and educator. She has written a few books, one of which is Beautiful You, A Woman's Guide to Radical Self-Acceptance. And today we are hoping to be able to talk a little bit about how we cultivate healthy body image in girls. So one of the other roles that Rosie has is she is actually an educator with the Dove Self-Esteem Project. And when Melissa and I were thinking about this episode or being able to be lucky enough to interview her, what we were thinking about was it would be really good for those of us moms out there raising kids Um, which I guess is one of the criteria for being a mom, but (laughs) maybe not. Um, you know, that one of the things that I think a lot of parents worry about is how do I cultivate a healthy body image or a healthy sense of self in my child? And I know, um, it is something I think about all the time. Um, mostly just because it's something that as a woman I have wrestled with and I, of course, can look back and think, oh, I wish my mom had done this this way, or why did she do it that way? Or, um, but when it comes down to it, I think we're all going to make mistakes, and we're all doing the best we can. But it might be good to have a little bit of guidance. So welcome, Rosie. <laughs> Thank you for having me. As you were talking about that, I was struck by, um, you know, the mistakes I've made. <laughs> like, they were coming at me really fast. Um, and I, I'm, I will start by saying that I am muddling through this too. And, you know, here I, I do this work professionally and I had this powerful moment um, when my son was about three. We were all in the car, so it's my husband, my child, and I, and he says from the back seat, just pipes up all of a sudden, I'm heavy. Mm. And instantly, like the stink eye that I gave my husband... Because clearly this nonsense came from something <laughs> yeah. that he had done was pretty significant. And I turned around and I said, baby, your body is perfect. Every body is a good body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he said, but that's what you say when you pick me up. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my lands. Like, literally, I write books on this and teach college courses on this and... I have said you are heavy when I pick up my child, which is much more a comment about my yeah. strength, right, yes. than his weight. And, <laughs> Poor buddy. And so I had to say, oh, you're not, honey. Like, I am, it's more of a comment on mommy's strength. And I was yeah. like, I am clearly just as you know, <laughs> much a beginner as anyone else on this journey. So, but I do know. think I love that story because the truth is, like, there is no way we can get it totally right with our right. kids. Yeah. Right? Nobody's getting yeah. out of here alive. No. Right? <laughs> there is no script on you have to do this or you can't do this. And even if you did, I don't think it would work out. No. Right. And so then I think it's you know, stuff's going to come up that you're like, holy cow, I did that. <sighs> right. And I think that you know. What you do next is is what matters. Like, don't look back and instead, you know, say, "All right, well, let me be honest about this." Oh, like yeah. When I had that was an observation about mommy's strength, and and not about your body, um, or whatever the case may be. 
uh, Melissa and I run an eating disorder team together for a while, mm-hmm. and I was like the I think like my whole reason for joining the team more than anything was to be able to pick the eating disorder specialist like brains about like how do I correct this parenting error that I have made? Like, what do I do here? Like, can we just, and it was funny, everybody else is bringing up cases and I'm bringing up my, my own stuff. So asking for a friend. Yes. <laughs> this case that I am seeing, um, you know, might have, and one of my daughters one time was like, I am skinny. And I was like, <gasps> and I, I pulled back and I was like, baby, what does that mean to you to be skinny? And she said, I'm covered in skin. I was like, okay, good. We can stick with that one. <laughs> But, of course, like, the older they get, the more complex this stuff becomes. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So let's – what are some things parents need to be aware of to hopefully um, get it better than wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say that start with yourself. You know, I think that – I am struck by how perceptive my child is. Yes. and so I have lots of moms who will say to me, I never say anything bad about my child's body. Mm-hmm. And I'm certain that's right. Mm-hmm. They're also just talking about their own bodies all the time in front of their child. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what happens then is if I am a mom at breakfast, it's like, baby, eat up. And then like, oh, I can't have anything. Um, or these pants don't fit. Like I'm having my own commentary all of that is being taken in by my child, which has its own p- impact. Mm-hmm. But then that, that impact even gets amplified if I then load up my kid and we head to the grocery store and Tina from down the street sees us and says, oh my gosh, she looks just like you. Yeah. And what you have just said in the kitchen 10 minutes before you left was, I need to lose 20 pounds. Yeah. Well, then what your child begins to put together is, I look just like my mom. My mom's not happy with her body. I shouldn't be happy with my body. I shouldn't be eating whatever, like, you know, whatever those cases. And so I think that, you know, one of the greatest gifts that you can give your family, if you can't do it for yourself, is um, to have a healthy relationship with yourself and to find a way towards it and to begin to earnestly work on it. And so, you know, if nothing else has compelled you to do it before now because it just felt like, well, I'm not worthy enough to do it for myself, Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, if, it, if, if beginning to do that because you love your family and don't want them to feel that way, um, is what gets you started. I think that's, you know, a fair way to start. Um, but I, I do think that's one of the places that is really important is to realize that we can talk in a moment about all sorts of things that parents can do, um, in response to and through awareness of their children, but, more than anything, we all know that our kids see our behaviors mm-hmm. and see things that we don't even say. Um, and I think we have to be really conscious of that and aware of there's some significant modeling going on already. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what is that modeling? And, and where are shifts that I can make in that behavior to to hope you know to give myself an incredible gift, but also to give my family an incredible gift. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great reminder. And I bet I bet that people are not even aware about how much they do it. And so, if you have a healthy relationship with your partner, I think it's a good idea to check in with them. Like, what do you see? What do you hear? If you hear me saying something, can you help remind me? Because I think we can tell people turn it off, but I I'm not even sure. They always know it's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll even do it with little things like not taking a family picture. Or yes. Not like, yes. you know, 
oh, we can't use that picture. We can't use that. You know, yes. we can't use that picture. It, I was struck this year when we were doing holiday cards. I was like, I'm not in any pictures. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so I had this moment where I was like, what's that about? And my husband's like, because you're the only one who thinks to take a picture and nobody else thinks to say, oh, give me the camera and I'll take a picture with you in it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, all right. That's probably true. And I, you know, most of the time don't think to take a picture. Like on Halloween, I didn't take a picture. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> who, who doesn't, you know, and so I'm not really, but I think to become aware of those things is important um, because they're just interpreted by our kids in some particular way. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the idea of not being overly critical of the pictures or trying not to um, avoid the pictures because of how you're going to look or feel in the pictures. Because one of the things that is an easy way to not have to deal with your body image is just not to be in the photo. And yet, I do think that that is a subtle message that the kids get, you know, and especially in this time when we're all taking pictures a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. So then if I think about other things, you know, I think that something that is really helpful, not just from a body image standpoint, but just for a sense of oneself is to in, encourage whatever your kid falls in love with. And mm-hmm. so whatever they're feeling a passion about at that moment, whether it's Legos or books or a, a sport, to really encourage that love of something, I think that it makes them realize that what what I have to offer or what life has to offer me is like this joy and this effort that are about sort of my creativity and my curiosity and how I show up mm-hmm. and not about like how one is physically displayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it also later becomes armor when body me- image messages really start. Mm-hmm. Um, to say like, oh, but I've got this thing that I'm really good at and that I love. Um, and so I think that helping your child embrace something they love is mm-hmm. a really powerful tool in their self-acceptance and body image mm-hmm. and confidence sort of toolbox. I love that because I think a lot of parents are looking for like this magic bullet of the right thing to say to make their kids like their body. But truly, we need their kids thinking less about their body and more about their passion. So that's it's so interesting that that would come up in in our discussion. But Mm -hmm. you're right that 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 is where we need to go is more emphasis on where life should be Mm -hmm. and less emphasis on body. Absolutely. I love that. Mm When my child was young and noticing things about bodies, I tried really hard. You know, one thing I was aware of was he's noticing how we're alike and different, and mm-hmm. that's important. Um, but then also, to, I tried really hard to sort of celebrate every body mm-hmm. and to sort of neutralize opinions that could exist about bodies. And so yeah. he would say now... You know, everybody's a good body. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people's bodies are not any of our business. Like, I've heard him say that, like, when someone else is talking about a body. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if um, an older relative is talking about someone's body, he'll be like, that's not any of our business. That's their body. Uh-huh. Um, and I so I think it. starting early on with, hey, feeling a gentleness about observing the world mm-hmm. um, and sort of helping them gain that perspective, but then, like, instilling pretty early on a deep respect about, well, everybody's a good body. Like, bodies just are different. And they're also, like, not any of our business. Like, it's not any of our business how that person lost their arm or yeah. whatever the case may be, I think is 
is important messaging that we can give at an early age because then it makes them realize like my body's a good body and my body's not anybody else's business and I don't have to explain it to people. That is such a big deal because I, I think that it, it matters, you know, often we may try to dance around being critical of ourselves, but it is really important to think about even just what we say when we're going down the street. You know, when, I, I'm thinking about a few different scenarios where my husband and I have been driving around and, oh my gosh, did you see that outfit? You know, and mm-hmm. it's usually that short shorts are way too short. <laughs> but I can imagine that for, I have to think about the way that their little brains are perceiving it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel good ever to hear somebody else being criticized because you're. it's going to be impossible not to extrapolate it mm-hmm. to something. Well, if they think that person looks bad, then yeah. yeah. Gosh. Can I, th- this is a, a tough one. Um, my kids come home a lot and tell me about the nasty stuff that happens on the playground. And mm. one thing I hear is the word fatty. And they'll say like, oh, um, so-and-so called so-and-so a fatty and she was crying. And um, how do we help our kids? How, what, what's the conversation we need to have there? So I think that in that moment, I think I'd say, well, what do you think was going on there? What do you feel like caused that moment? Like, you know, I think I'd unpack it with them. They're so wise, or at least I find my son is so wise. And so he often can get real clear um, quickly. But, you know, ultimately, after we've unpacked it together, what I think I'd want to talk to him about, it is not our job to label anyone else's body Mm -hmm. or to have an interpretation of anyone else's body. And and so, you know, how do you feel about, you know, Bob saying that about Sally? You know, what do you feel like your spot can be in that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that I'd feel, A, an awareness of making sure that, that he wouldn't feel like if he had a frustration with another person, that the way to solve it was with those types of words. But also to, to help him begin to see, well, how can I be an ally when I feel like, someone's being unkind for any reason. Mm-hmm. Um, what what can I say in that moment? You know, like, leave her alone or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I think are the, the two places that I'd want to go in the end with that conversation is what do you think about in that moment in terms of your own behavior and what you might do and and not labeling people in that way? And then how do you show up for somebody in that moment? Yeah. I feel like our this this generation of children, that's what we have to really teach them, yeah. right? Is I feel like we've overcome so many ways of teaching our kids what we what is kindness and acceptance, and it seems like the the body piece is the the big struggle for this generation right now. Yeah. One, well, I think it's like it goes back to we have this big challenge with the the perception is skinnier is healthier, smaller bodies are healthier bodies. And so We have this whole challenge where there's this sense of justification for being critical of larger bodies because they're not healthy. That's that's a really tough place, especially um, from the perspective, like when I think about the parenting work that I do, sometimes I will have parents of broad spectrum of age kids who will say, but my kid really does have a weight problem and I need to be on top of them for it. And I, I'm always trying to to help them understand that one of the things that we know is really ineffective is 
putting folks on diets, you know, and so, and adding body shaming to dieting behavior is probably going to send you in completely the wrong direction. But I do think that it's, it's one of those areas that's really tricky for some parents because they think I've got to lean in here and it might not be the right place. Yeah. Or it isn't the right place. (laughs) And I I do think there is something, too. If we help our kids understand the injustice and everybody is a good body, they're going to be less critical of their own bodies then, too, right? Like you said, your son knows. Like, my body is a good body. And if we can't teach our kids to to look at everybody that way, then how can we teach them to Mm -hmm. not criticize their own body or be under a microscope? Yeah. And I find that they're, if you give them permission to sort of unpack that stuff, they're very perceptive. You know, on our playground, what happens far more often is around, like, who gets chosen for teams yes. and who's perceived as, like, the good athletes versus yes. the not good athletes. And I had this super astute conversation with, I mean, he was astute. I was, like, dumbfounded mm-hmm. with my son recently about that. And he said how how teams are chosen and... You know, and I, I asked something about, well, how does how does that make you feel? And he said, I'm just happy to play with anyone who wants to play with me. Mm. And I said, well, I think that's, you know, a great attitude to have. And we talked about it more. And he said, you know, I think that sort of the person who, who generates this energy on the playground, he said, you know, I think that he's around other good athletes and is comparing himself to that and just... Mm. I think it makes them feel bad. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, there's a spiral. And, and so we had this great conversation about how generally when someone has something unkind to say, it's not because the unkind thing is true. It's because they're just at a pain point. And, yeah. you know, I think that really sort of helps our children develop compassion and empathy and and a real understanding that lets them sort of show up in a different way. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of just, there's, there's not this magic thing to tell our kids, but sitting down and talking with our kids, they promote so much understanding. It does. And so then I think the, the big thing then is to build a practice over time of just being trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And I think, because then our kids will sit down with us and say, oh, she's going to she's gonna show up for me. Yeah. Um, and so I think about that even when I am at an athletic event. And if I freak out on my child about his performance, well, then that doesn't feel good, right? Mm-hmm. If I am over-effusive, like, you were the fastest one out there, <laughs> um, about my child, well, kids know, right? Like, right? And they're like, Whatever. I'm like the fourth fastest. Like they, <laughs> they specifically know. Yeah. Um, they're like, we ran the 40 and this is what I came in, mom. Yeah. Um, and so they know. And so I think just being sort of an honest, trustworthy lens with them is whatever, in whatever area is, is really important. So if it's that they ask like, well, did you deal with this as a kid? Um, being like, no, 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 I never thought about copying off anyone else's test or whatever. You know, like, yeah. I think sort of saying, yeah, you know, yeah, I remember struggling with that. Somebody wanted to copy my work, and this is how it worked out, or these are the things I thought, and this is what I felt later. I think that that really builds for them this awareness of I can keep showing up to you. And and so that's the great thing is, like, none of these conversations have to be permanent if you've developed 
sort of the ability to sit down with your kid and sort of keep having these conversations. I love when you bring up the being honest, uh, this comes up all the time because my son will do something and be like, what do you really think? Like, no, really. Mm -hmm. And, and I've really had to switch gears to say like, well, yeah, all right. So maybe you're a little more average at that, or this isn't your strongest skill, Mm -hmm. but I love that you love it. And I love Mm -hmm. that you did it. And I, I, I'm seeing more and more that I don't want him to feel like he has to be super good at everything to feel yeah. great. Mm-hmm. I just want him to know, like, it's okay to not be the best, and you can still like yourself and accept yeah. yourself. So you're right. That honesty is kind yeah. of important. Yeah. You know, my kid thinks he's great at everything. It's like the most adorable thing. Oh, that's true. But... You know, what I tell them, you know, I'm certainly not going to be like, well, actually. (laughs) Um, But what I tell them is, like, when we're headed out to a game or whatever, like, I just care that you have a good attitude and that you work as hard as you can. Mm -hmm. And that you, like, show up for yourself and show up for your teammates. Mm -hmm. You know, like, if that's what you do, then then you've had a, that's like what today was for. Yeah. Um, and so he hasn't gotten to the place where he's like, so what do you really think? Because he's really happy with what he thinks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, I do think that if, if he were to say like, hey, um, it'd be important to be like, well. Yeah. You know, but I, there are also moments where he's like, well, I came in third. Like, I, I know I was third <laughs> or whatever. And, and we want them to feel okay about that. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. So my, my son's constantly like, well, was I better than him? Was I better than him? Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to this point of like, well, that doesn't matter. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're not competing with anyone else. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You did your best. Yeah. That's all I care about. I, yeah. That's all you need to care about. But you're right. I think that these conversations, when they can trust us and come to us, they're, they'll always flow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think it, it is important to think about the idea of, having a complexity to your sense of self, you know, that you are not just your body, you are, you have this set of like skills and abilities. And, you know, I was doing some research on a case I was working on. And one of the key factors in getting over this type of eating disorder was actually having an identity that was rich, you know, that having an identity that was multifaceted and that if your identity was too much defined by your disease, you were going to stay sick. And it was so interesting to think about the idea that having multiple layers to the identity, whether it's, you know, I ride horses or whether it's, you know, I paint or I sing, but having all these different facets to yourself is so protective from the body piece. Right. And to embrace the idea that not all of those expressions of your identity have to be consumable by others yeah Yeah. like if you just if you love to sing and you know as a parent you can be like well you can have singing lessons if you want and you don't ever have to join a chorus or sing for the church choir like Mm -hmm. like that it it can just be the sheer enjoyment of it Mm -hmm. um and not necessarily something that has to be consumed by others like something can be precious just for you that's a bit I feel like parents today there's a lot of pressure to get their kids to perform to yeah. show it off to if you've got a talent you gotta do it yeah. and and you're right I love this permission to back off like yeah. who cares if they just like to sing at home mm-hmm. there's yeah. joy in that and mm-hmm. it can just be a gift for them yep what are some of the other things that are covered in the self-esteem curriculum so within the Dove self-esteem project there are these distinct sort of curriculums that cover mm-hmm. sort of different issues and And the aim they have or the challenge they have is that we have 60 to 90 minutes Uh with a group of people. And so 
tackling this idea of positive body image, like for life in 60 to 90 minutes can be daunting. But what I really respect in terms of what the curriculum writers and researchers have done together is found a way to grab an issue and make it actually consumable and powerful in 60 to 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, one of the curriculums looks at social media, but it looks at sort of the idea of influencers Mm -hmm. and, like, who are your real-life influencers, like people you know, Mm -hmm. and what is it their messages are to you? Mm -hmm. Who are your, like, out-in-the-world influencers? And what messages do you see from them? Is there overlap here? What's the difference? What kind of weight does this set of influencers have versus this set of influencers? Mm -hmm. And then the third piece, which I love, is helping them, the girls in the workshop, realize that they're influencers. Mm -hmm. That they're real-life influencers to someone. They're Mm -hmm. friends, little siblings. And then as they begin to have social media, they're influencers. And that they're actually CEOs of their own sort of media empire Mm -hmm. and their messages they're putting out. And so this idea of, well, let's study your social media and what's the message you're putting out and and are you comfortable with that being your message? Mm -hmm. Um, What, if you could choose anything, would be your message? And so sort of the last piece is imagining that, like imagining, oh, if if I were to say like what I wanted people to walk away from, it'd be like, like do good things or, you know, you got this or whatever. And, And now remembering that and holding on to that and sort of taking that with you each time you post. Another really rich curriculum that I love has the participants examine beauty stereotypes or gender stereotypes that they're not comfortable with and why. And so they'll say, I don't like how women, there's a perception that you have to have a certain body type to wear some clothes. Yes. And they think through sort of the, the way it's packaged is head, heart, feet. And so, like, head, like, intellectually, why is that an issue? How does that impact how someone feels and, and shows up in the world? And then feet, like, what action are you going to take about this? Love it. And so they concretely – and so what's neat about that workshop, and, and this is true, actually, for all of them, is – a hundred girls could walk in and they all could be at really different places with this stuff. Yeah. But all of the curriculum's fairly personalized or delivered in a way that you personalize it for yourself. And uh-huh. so each girl's choosing her stereotype. And so um, one, recently I, I was a part of the, delivering this curriculum and there's a girl who said, I don't like that people say she's good for a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone else talked about how she didn't like that people had a perception of how Latina she was, like Mm -hmm. that there was a continuum of Latinidad and she Uh was not Latina enough. And then there was this other young woman who was not happy with the fact that there were, she feels like there are ideas of what you can wear based on your body shape and size. Uh And so the end product after they sort of work through these pieces is what action are you going to take? And for the young woman who was like, I don't like these rules. She was like, well, I need to be willing to wear the clothes that I just want to wear without thinking about those rules and I need to post it on social media and not filter it. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to say it makes me mad that they don't ever show girls who look like me in a crop top, yeah. well then I need to be willing to wear a crop top and post it on social media and not filter it. And so that was really, you know, it was neat to have each of these girls sort of synthesize, it makes me mad yeah. and this is what I'm going to do about it. And to realize they have autonomy and authority 
to, to do something right now at, at whatever age they are and in whatever space they are, I think is really powerful. And it's something that then they leave and they think, oh, and I don't like this stereotype. Okay, let me walk through that exercise again for myself mm-hmm. and think through what action I'm going to take about that. Or, oh, wow, I posted this and I didn't think about how that would make people feel. And so let me go back to what I want my message to be as an influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really powerful. I've, I've really enjoyed how they've deliberately created something that can have an impact in that amount of time, but also keep sort of lingering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Afterwards. I love to hear the work around the social media. Cause I do feel like this is a whole new a landmine for kids <laughs> these days and body image, right? Yeah. So how do we help moms understand um, how to be there with their kids as they walk through their daughter crumpling over a post that a friend did and she mm-hmm. doesn't like how she looks in the picture? Yeah. So I think that, so I remember years ago when Facebook came out, and I don't have a personal Facebook page, thinking like I was working at a college at the time and my students came and were like, do you have a Facebook page? And I was like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> so they explained it to me. And I was like, so this is really weird to me. Uh-huh. So you're saying that, like, I could be at your thing and a photo could be taken and you can post it on, like, like yeah. so you have ownership of my, Im- like, that's yeah. super weird to me. Yeah. Um, and they were like, you are so old. Like, I was probably in my 20s and they were like, you are so old. But what is fascinating about the social media piece, you know, as I've continued to be in, in spaces with young people is how much they feel like their life is expressed in social media, right? Like they almost feel like if it didn't get posted on social media, it didn't happen. Right, right. And so I think that I, it makes me think like, well, hey, I want to really delay that for my child. Um, like, you know, he, he'll ask me all the time, when do you think I'll get a phone? And I'm like, I think when you go to college. <laughs> I think I'll just microchip you so I know where you are until that. And then in college you can get a phone. Um, but, but so I think that it's good for parents to engage in social media if their kids are going to be on it. Yeah. And so when are you ready to be that engaged? And I'm like, oh, I don't really care. I don't want to be engaged in it. Like, and so I'm like, so that's why you get to do it at 18. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, so, and, and, and that's not, I mean, that's probably not going to want to be what happens, but also it's different for every family, but I think you have to be ready to, 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 to jump in. Mm-hmm. And then I think that in terms of sort of navigating this, these spaces, I think that it's really helpful to start with a, that, that honest conversation that you sit down and say, well, what is it you want from this? And how are you going to feel if nobody likes it? Mm-hmm. And, or if, you know, not enough people in your, like, are you going to have rules around who likes this and what kind of autonomy it's going to have? And are we going to put an app on that limits how much time you can look at this? And, and, you know, that I have to be friended as well so I can see all these things and I can see these conversations. I think it's important. And, you know, I think maybe setting up sort of an understanding beforehand is helpful because it just at least gives you a place to go back to. And so, you know, if I initially set an understanding with my child that said, if my behaviors change because of how people perceive me or how I perceive people perceive me on social media, then... I agree that I need a little time out from social media. Mm-hmm. Like if we've done that in a non-emotional time yes. and then things fall apart, I think the first thing you do when things fall apart is just show up with a whole bunch of sympathy and, you yeah. know, I'm so sorry that happened. And then, you know, sort of when there, and some processing of like, well, how do we problem solve this and what do we do? And, yeah. um, but I, then I think on the other side, it gives you this sort of neutral place to come back to and say like, do we need to take a time out or do we need to approach 
like, do you want to talk to your friends about, like, do we give each other permission on what we post about each other or what we post of each other? You know, I just think it's, it's such a brave new frontier that we can't even imagine growing up in, but it's very much sort of fishbowl growing up. I was struck by, I make my college students do this media fast. And the first couple days, they actually just record all their, their media use Mm -hmm. and write like how it made them feel and what, what it was all about. And then the next three days they're off and then they write this paper about the experience. Mm-hmm. Three super interesting observations recently. One, a student wrote that she hadn't realized that every morning when she got dressed, she posted a selfie of herself. And that she checked it before she left her apartment. And if there weren't enough likes, she would change. Whoa. And she said, I literally did not realize I was doing that until the day that we couldn't use the media. And I thought, well, how do I know if I look okay? Wow. And she was like, and that I have given away that much power mm-hmm. is like startling to me. Mm-hmm. And it was so subconscious. Mm-hmm. The other really interesting, another really interesting observation was a student who shared that she went to someone's 21st birthday party. And every two parts, there were two parts to this. One, all of their conversation was based on sort of flipping their phones to each other. and being like, do you see this? Do you see this? Mm-hmm. Like there was, she was like, I didn't realize that we don't have original conversation enough like it's very much driven by media our conversations it's not like gosh I was on this you know hike today and saw this and you know it made me think about this the other thing she said was I felt like I wasn't there Mm -hmm. a because I couldn't have that conversation but b I wasn't taking pictures and I wasn't being posted yeah she said and it was like did you even go to that party if you didn't if it wasn't consumable on social media. And so I think that that's something that we can't even begin to understand the impact of long-term. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, having sort of a healthy skept- skepticism or hesitation with it for our kids is, is probably good. Yeah. Um, and, and however, feels like the right expression for your family. But I think sort of having an awareness of like, ah, you know, we just don't know how this all will play out, um, I think is, is good. I love, um, Michelle Eichard's advice to have, like, if your kids want to start on social media, to have them start with like a a hobby account. Um, and so that they're building sort of their ability to dialogue about something meaningful, about something they're passionate about. It sort of takes away that lens of like, are you looking at me? Right. And instead, like, oh, look at this, you know, you know, in, in that case, I think that one of our children had a Harry Potter mm-hmm. account that got them started on social media, but that let them build, like, their, their ability to take a great picture and to have, you know, some interesting commentary um, without it being sort of a direct reflection on, on them, I think, is, is a great piece of advice. It's really interesting to think about how... You're right. Social media can turn into, when you said that girl, like, I didn't even know if I looked good. Mm-hmm. It, it takes away their ability to um, have that self-acceptance because they're so busy looking for that acceptance in the number of likes. Yeah. But you can really teach them that's not what this is. And if you don't teach them that, then it can really veer off. Right. Yeah. Well, Rosie, we are so grateful for your time. And um, we just really want to thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. This was so fun for me. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Learn more at www.thecuriousmother.com, where you will find resources related to episode topics. Please join our community and add your voice. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for listening.
Hello, Curious Mothers. We hope that you have enjoyed these interviews with Rosie Molinari. If you would like to learn more about Rosie, please check out her website, www.rosiemolinari.com, and you will find information about some upcoming programs she has, including her Vision Spark Workshop, in which she does vision boards and finding a word of the year. She has the openings in her program on January 4th, 2019 in Davidson, and she is also hosting an online event on January 7th. Enjoy!